0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for November 1st, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack dean co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, African Violence." Some of you may not know this about me, I kill plants, all plants. I've confessed this before many years ago, and Joel Froiler brought me a plant that he guaranteed me I couldn't kill, and yet I did. It took me longer than most, I'll give him that, but I did it, killed it dead. About five or six years ago, Ann Brown gave me an African violet for my birthday. Appreciative as I was, I wondered why in the world would she give me a flowering plant? Didn't she know that gift would have a short life? She worked with me every single day. She knew my track record, but this plant came in a little bowl that was some kind of newfangled self-watering system. I just had to keep the bowl filled with water and the plant was sure to live. Some months later, the African violet was still living, even still blooming. It was a miracle. Brucie Claire brought me African violet plant, plant food to add to the water. So I was faithful in keeping the plant watered and fed. Occasionally, a few of the outside leaves would wither and fade. I would pinch them off, and sure enough, the plant continued to thrive. Blooms would fill the plant, and as they began to shrivel up and turn brown, I would pinch them off and toss them into the trash, giving room for new blooms to grow, and they did. It was the most Beautiful African violet, I've ever seen, if I do say so, myself. Almost like magic, I didn't kill it. For years, I've offered just enough faithful, tender, loving care that the plant lived and lived, finally ridding me of my claim. I kill plants, all plants, no more. I can keep one alive. Now, the African Violet Society of America, promoting and growing African violets since 1946, yes, that is a real group. The society says, because African violets are so adaptable to every kind of environment, it's no mystery as to why it's to become the most popular houseplant to grow. But, they say, a certain amount of rudimental knowledge is necessary if success is to be achieved. There are, the African Violet Society of America, promoting and growing the African Violet since 1946, says, there are 10 factors that unite to produce a beautiful African Violet. They are proper soil water and watering methods, fertilizer, light, temperature, air circulation and spacing, humidity, potting and spraying. Let us examine them one at a time. Let us not. This poor society in existence since 1946 doesn't know what it's talking about. All you need is a magic bowl of water and a little liquid food to pour in it, and you too can grow these plants with no problem. I promise I'm going to connect the dots in a minute. But I want to dip our toe into the Gospel of John before I connect them. I want to turn to Lazarus and his sisters and an absent Jesus. John is the only Gospel writer to tell this story. Though all the, though the other three tell the story of the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. So clearly, there was a common understanding that Jesus brought life even out of death. One commentary goes into great detail about the difficulty in translating the particular verses that I ask you to remember what I was saying. Do you remember? One commentary tells a lot of details about how to translate Jesus' emotions and his response to this. Was he, as we read in the New Revised Standard Version, greatly disturbed and deeply moved with his own grief and watching the pain of the sisters, as the translation indicates? Or was he troubled, as some other versions might indicate, Or are these translators trying to sentimentalize Jesus' response? Because it could be argued that another perhaps more accurate translation about Jesus' emotions would have been that Jesus was angry and indignant as the sisters approached him to do something about the death of their brother. People are always trying to save Jesus like that. Putting words in his mouth because surely he wouldn't be angry. Anyone who has known loss and death knows that all of these emotions and more are common to the experience of grief. We've all heard Elizabeth Kubler Ross's stages denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. From this story that only John tells, we see Jesus and all of those around him moving nicely through all the stages. Perhaps Jesus was in denial when he didn't go when immediately called. The pleading of the sisters begging for the life of their brother, and we hear Jesus himself practically bargaining with God for the sake of the crowd. Let me do this. The verse that we didn't read, immediately following what we did read, verse 45 says, and we might hear how this is bringing it to a nice, tidy conclusion of acceptance. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Wasn't that a nice stage of grief they all walked through? But as right as Kubler-Ross has been in naming these stages of grief, there is nothing neat and tidy about the pain, the loss, the heartache, the sadness, the despair, the all-out gut-wrenching nature of grief. And just because you go through one stage does not mean you won't circle back to it again later. There's this great... Illustration that I've seen about grief. On the left side of the page, it says how we want grief to work. There's a dot, there's a straight line, there's another dot. That's how we want grief to work. On the right side of the page, it says how grief actually works. There's a dot, there's a terribly chaotic scramble of lines all over the place with an arrow coming out the other side. That's how grief actually works. And that arrow coming out the other side implies to me that there's more of that scribbly, chaotic mess to come in your grief work. And grief is work. But at least that arrow point that we move through, we never get over it. We just try to get through it. But in her later years, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote that she regretted writing the stages the way that she did. That most people mistook them as being linear and universal based on what she observed while working with patients given terminal diagnoses. Mrs. Ross, Kubler-Ross identified five common experiences, not Five required experiences. Her stages whether applying to the dying or those left living were meant to normalize and validate what someone might experience in the swirl of insanity that is loss and death and grief. Swirl of insanity pretty much sums up what grief really feels like but what always strikes me about this story of the raising of Lazarus just like the other raising from the dead stories in the gospels is that eventually Lazarus dies and so did Martha and Mary and Jesus It's just that the Jesus story is full of so much life. Everywhere he went, he was bringing life. I think that's what's to be learned from this gospel lesson today. Everywhere he went, he was bringing life. Interpret as you will. Even in his own death, he was bringing life. And he still is, and one way I know as much as I can know that that is true is because we're sitting here telling the story again. All these years later, we're trying to live his story because he is constantly bringing life. We're leaning into his story, especially in our own grief, trying to make sense of our own losses, calling the names of those who have died in hopes that we can still keep on living even after they are gone from us. This is most strangely one of, if not my, very favorite Sundays of the year. I love calling the names. It doesn't matter whether I knew them myself or not. And I love an opportunity to call names of my own for whom I grieve. I love calling the names, which is all Jesus did on this day in this story of Lazarus. All he did was call his name. And they live. I've taken a lot of credit for the good life of my African violet. This is the connect the dot piece. But lately I've been wondering if it was me or was it Mary. Not the sister of Martha and Lazarus, but Mary Eden's charter member of our church who died most recently, who worked in our office every day as a volunteer. What I'm about to tell you is a true story. She began to get sick early summer. My African violet drooped a bit. Not completely uncommon over all these years. From time to time, the plant would fade. I would make sure the water was fresh, new food supplied. I'd turn it toward the sunlight at a slightly different angle, and all would be well within weeks. But as Mary started using a cane because she didn't feel steady, my green thumb tricks didn't work anymore, but I didn't think anything about it. Mary finally got her diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, and more leaves than ever began to wither. Mary was hospitalized, and after plucking the brown blooms, no new buds began to sprout. Mary was moved to the hospice house, where many took turns keeping a bedside present so that she would not be alone. The African violet grew weaker and weaker. I changed the water and the food and the sunlight so many times, but to no avail, and Mary died. Some mold began to form on the top of the soil of my plant. Soil that I had never even seen before, because before it had always been so full of the green leaves and the purple flowers. I'd never even seen that the soil was not good But now almost completely bare of the green and purple, the sick soil was on full display. And then it dawned on me like one of those light cartoon light bulbs going off over my head. I bet Mary had been tending my plant all this time in some way that I didn't even know and giving me the credit for it. Now, I don't know this for sure. But the coincidence is too convincing, don't you think? I'm just guessing. I have no proof. Does this sound anything like faith to you? Are y'all getting it? Are you getting it on a deeper level than just about the plant? I'm just guessing here. I have no proof. I will never have proof, though I've asked around the office if anyone ever saw Mary taking care of my African violet. No one did. So I'm having to speculate and put two and two together, and I have concluded to the best of my knowledge that I believe that Mary was keeping my African violet alive for all these years and letting me believe that I was doing it all by myself. And my beautiful, flowering, perfect African violet has just about died with Mary. There are one, two, three, four, five and a half leaves to go. And I'm not throwing it out until it's gone. And when it's gone, I'm going to get another one and stick it in that same pot. Do you get it? Do you see the connection? God at work in all of our living in ways we cannot see or explain. All of life attending beyond what we can do for ourselves, no matter how hard we try to go it alone. The sisters, Martha and Mary, frantically trying to save their brother. Jesus, weeping and bringing life wherever he goes. And Mary Eden's still reminding me to do a little more to tend my own African life. May it be so. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.